Welcome to the Run Back to Jesus podcast, where we are going to let go of all the weights holding us down and run the race God designed us for. Well, at any given time, I have a list of things that I just feel called to share here or things that you have brought me that you would just like some resources and tools to help you with. And sometimes I type up the topic, I get it ready, and I'm just like, eh, and it just scrolls way down in my notes and I just never come back to it. And there's been one that I've I've been praying over and just reflecting on, and then it just doesn't feel right, and then it just comes back, and this one just seems like this is a time to talk about this topic. This is a big, really important thing, especially when we talk about faith and we talk about the things that the enemy wants to use to pull us away from Jesus. I was reading through the YouVersion Bible app this week, and one of the reflections said this. It said, death is the greatest tool of our enemy. And man, isn't that true? Spiritual death separates us from God, and that is the enemy's purpose. He wants to take us away from God. And then we have physical death, something that can be incredibly, incredibly painful to walk through, something that the experiences that you have, maybe you've walked through death with someone that you love, and it was painful, and it was tragic, and it is so big in your life that it is leaving the mark and maybe even causing spiritual death for you too. And this summer, it has just been filled with so many sudden and tragic losses. So many people I know suffering from losing loved ones in very sudden, very unfair, unexplainable ways. And death is one of these things that we have all experienced and we all will. But man, can it leave holes bigger than we can imagine. It can leave questions. It can leave resentment, fear, and anger. And for some of us, it can distance us from God or maybe feel like you don't want to commit to God because how could you be feeling this pain? In my time in emergency medicine, death has been something that I've been around a lot. I've seen very peaceful ones, peaceful ones that it's just beautiful. And you're like, okay, this is God's time. They lived a good life. And and it's just It's just a beautiful place to be when you see that. But I've also seen some of the most tragic moments, moments that will never leave my mind, moments that I can't tell you why it had to happen that way and see how quickly life can change in an instant. And today, as I've just been reflecting with some people that I know and love and and just kind of walking through some of this, I just want to share share some things that have been helpful for us. Not because I have every answer, because I most certainly don't, but because I want to remember these things the next time this is me walking into this, because again, we all face it and we all walk through this. And this is because of the enemy's work in our life, not God's final plan for us. God's original plan in the garden was a tree of life and we would eat from it and live forever. We would walk with God. We would know him. There would be no pain, no sickness, no death in our story. And yet the serpent came into the garden and he changed all of that. He made Adam and Eve question God's goodness, God's character. And he made them think that God was holding out on them and that they were missing out. And right there, that is the work of the enemy. And if you are feeling in any way that God is holding out on you or that you're missing out on life because of God, the enemy has sold you a lie. And with the sin that came in the garden, it separated us from God. Death became a part of our story. And yet this didn't surprise God or catch him off guard. He already had a plan to save us from that death, from being separated from him forever. And Jesus is the one who came to ultimately rescue us from that. So even when we die in the body, it's not if, it's when, as believers, 
that's, that's not our final place. Jesus says this in John chapter 11. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Will never die. And so it's remembering that people of faith that have gone before me, they're not gone forever. And I will be reunited with them in heaven. And, and that's a whole nother talk for another day. Because I think in the moment, heaven seemed like an eternity away. Maybe you're mad and you're hurting and you're wondering if God is in control and didn't stop this. Can you trust him enough with that? Maybe you feel like he's turned his face from you. Or maybe you feel like maybe I just didn't measure up. Maybe that's why that this painful death had to happen. Or maybe someone said to you in the moment, oh, everything happens for a reason. And that's just not cutting it for you. And that doesn't ease the pain you're feeling. And so we are in no way trying to minimize any of the pain or the hurt you're facing today. God made us in his image and that comes with human emotions. And and we see that in Jesus. In John chapter 11, we see Jesus feeling emotions over death. Jesus gets word that his friend Lazarus, who he loves, is sick. He says, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. And then knowing that Lazarus is sick, it says Jesus stayed where he was for two more days. Jesus knows what's happening. He knows what's going down. At one point, he tells the disciples that Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. And here Jesus explains, no, he's actually died. The disciples were thinking, oh, he just went to sleep. He should keep resting. And Jesus said, no, he is dead, but we are going to go wake him him up. And so Jesus goes to the town where Lazarus lived. One of Lazarus's sisters comes out to meet Jesus and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Literally in a few moments, Jesus is going to bring him back to life. But Martha is thinking on the last day in time, he will rise. Remember, Jesus said this illness will not end in death. And that he was going to awake Lazarus from his sleep. So he he knows that death is not the final story for Lazarus today. Jesus knows what's going to happen, that he's going to be walking and talking in a few moments. But this part, Jesus sees Mary, Lazarus' other sister, and some friends and family of Lazarus weeping. And I want to read to you the entirety of this verse. Because I think this verse, it's two words. I think It is one of the most powerful when you are in this place of suffering and mourning over someone you love. John chapter 11, verse 35 says this. It says, Jesus wept. Two words. It says he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Jesus felt the pain of losing someone he loved. He felt the pain of death in the people around him. Jesus knew. Again, he knew what was going to happen. He didn't say, just dry your tears. He's going to come out of the tomb. No, He said, if you're hurting, I will cry with you. He will hold on to you in that moment. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Why? Because he's felt that pain too. Lazarus was about Jesus's age. So he wasn't this old man who had lived a long life and just died. He was a young man and his life was cut short. And Jesus shows us here that he comes to you in the moment. He comes to you and he will weep with you. In this situation where Lazarus was, Jesus had to go to Bethany. And this was an area where people had previously attempted to stone Jesus. And so even though it wasn't the safest place, Jesus went there anyways. 
In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Unlike the time of Lazarus, where Jesus had to physically come to you, he dwells with you now. And as a result of Jesus's own death, that's one of the blessings we received. Jesus said it was good for him to go so that the Holy Spirit and the helper would come and dwell with us. He's with you in the moment where you receive the heartbreaking news. He's laying with you next to you in bed at night when you can't get your mind to stop thinking of, of all the pain, of all the hurt, of all the what if scenarios. He's there the day the smallest little thing instantly brings upon a wave of grief and sadness. And he's not telling you just to get over it, just to dry your eyes and keep on going. But he's there to be with you in the moment, to walk through it with you, to let you feel it and to let you process it with all the emotions that come. And he wants you to come to him however you are, mad, angry, sad, questioning and hurting because he knows that he is the only thing that can give you rest in those biggest heartaches of life. And, you know, I think the temptation is just to to turn the other way, just to bury it deep down, to not talk about it, to not feel it, to numb it away or try and just burn it off. And, and we can go to anything. You can go to drinking, you can go to food, you can go to exercise, you can go to shopping, excessive cleaning, gossiping. There's a million ways we can try and numb away the pain or think that we are burning it off. But when we do this, we just bury it deeper inside and we carry it with us and it haunts us and it comes up and it will rear its ugly head if we don't feel it and process it. And so if you've lost a friend or a loved one suddenly and tragically, Jesus has been there and he's wept with those he loves and he loves you too. And he wants to be with you in this moment. Maybe the death was brutal and unfair. Maybe it was a long drawn out spell with cancer, some horrible traumatic event. And maybe you're just wondering why it has to be that way. And, and maybe we never fully know, but here's what we do know is death is from the enemy, not God. And so it's ugly. It's painful. But in Revelation, we see that when we get to heaven, there will be no more death, no more disease, no more suffering. In the beginning, when we were in the garden with God, there was no illness or death. And Adam and Eve had paradise. But then the serpent came and with it came all the horrible things that we experience in life. I was reading one of my kids' books and they always have the story of Genesis. And it talked about after the serpent came, sadness came and the world became sad. And man, isn't that true? Isn't that what death makes us feel is so much sadness. But the hope is that in the life to come, Eden is restored. And we have a chance to go to heaven, to be in a place where there is no more death, no more illness, no more pain, no more suffering. So even if we go through it now, it's not going to go with us to heaven where God has everything in order as it should be. Maybe someone you love died before they got to experience something you know they deserved to experience. Maybe it was someone who worked so hard to have children and they didn't get to experience the joy of fully raising them. Maybe someone was just about to get to retirement or they just stepped into retirement and it seemed like it just got ripped away from them. Moses was someone who had worked so hard to bring the people to the promised land. He led them out of Egypt. He helped establish the law from God. He guided his people on how to live. He wandered with them through the desert for 40 years, being obedient to God, dealing with a grumbling people, trusting in God and God's promises for his people. Moses was human, so he had a few moments where he disobeyed God. He struck a rock at one point when he was just supposed to speak to the rock. And as a result, it says Moses didn't get to go into the promised land. 
If you get to the end of Deuteronomy, you see it here. It says, God took Moses up a mountain and God says to him, this is the land I promised on an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. It says Moses died and his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. Moses didn't make it to the promised land that he spent most of his life helping his people get to. Moses was the one who met with God. Moses was the one who communicated with God and and told the people what God wanted them to do. Moses went to God when the people were completely rebelling against God and just asked for mercy on their behalf. Yet he did all of this and he didn't get to walk into the promised land, the land that God had promised to them. He just let him see it. Man, there is someone who feels that God had made these promises. You did all the hard work for the promise and maybe you got a glimpse of it, but you didn't get to live in it. But if you fast forward to Matthew chapter 17, Jesus goes up a mountain with three of his disciples and on this mountain, he is transfigured. It said his face shined like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. And just then appeared before them, Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Moses may not have made it to his earthly promised land, but he made it to his heavenly one. If Moses would have made it to the earthly promised land, there was still going to be disease and death and disobedience and sin and hunger. Yet Moses was now in the true promised land, which is all of our final destination. And so it's just a reminder, maybe you didn't get to experience it here on earth. You will get to experience whatever it is that God had for you in heaven with him. Maybe the death was brutal. Maybe it was unfair. I think of Jesus and I think of him as he's stepping in to his death. As Jesus is praying in the garden, just moments before he's arrested, he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. It says he was in anguish over what was about to happen to him. Jesus knew how brutal it would be. He knows the pain and suffering that he's going to endure. And he also knows he's innocent and he doesn't deserve it. (laughs) Anyone else, they were good people. They did not deserve to die like this. Jesus knows this pain too. And so he asks, he asks if there's any way, can you pass this cup from me? Just like Abraham, when he was on the mountain with Isaac, he was about to sacrifice his son and there was a ram to take his place. Jesus saying, if there is a ram in the bushes, any other way this can happen, God, I am praying for it now. And that reminds us that in those moments, it's okay to ask God for the miracle. It's okay, God, can you take this from me? God, I'm praying and believing that you can do anything and I'm trusting you that you can. But here's what Jesus followed it up with. And and this is the part that I know I forget. And in the part I think we leave out, Jesus said, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was willing to step into whatever it was the father had for him because he knew the father and he trusted him. And he also knew that death here on earth did not mean death forever. And even knowing that and knowing how beautiful heaven is and that he was going to see his father, he was still in anguish over this. It says his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. So if you are in anguish over death, it is seeming like it can consume you. Jesus was in anguish over his death too. And so it's not wrong to feel those things. Jesus' death was brutal. Before they actually even crucified him, it said they beat him 39 times with a whip that was filled with pieces of metal and rock and glass, literally tearing his skin off. And for some people, that would be enough to kill them. Just that beating alone. But then just imagine that. I mean, just imagine one little paper cut or one cut on your arm and having to then pick up and carry something heavy. His whole body was this way. And then he had to pick up and carry this massive piece of wood to the place where he would be crucified. Nails driven through his 
his hands and his feet already beaten and bruised. Man, I've seen little tiny nails through people's fingers many times, mistakenly got it with a nail gun or something and how much pain that felt. Could you imagine a nail big enough to hold you to a cross? How much pain that was. And Jesus was innocent. He didn't deserve it. And this is how I know God is good. That he would allow his son to face this, to cover the sins that separate us from him in eternal life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God is just, and so that means he's not going to let sin go unpunished. And so to save us from this ultimate death, this separation from him, which we deserved, he put the wrath on his son. We should have got what we deserved, which was life away from God forever, no relationship with him. But he put his son through the most agonizing death to restore what had been lost in the garden and to win the battle. Jesus didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve to go through that pain yet because of his love for us and wanting us to experience more than just life on a broken planet, life that includes death, life that includes illness, unfair death, suffering. He stepped into this as part of the bigger story. And again, this, none of this today is in any way to minimize our pain or our suffering because some of you have experienced unimaginable stories of loss. We see the extreme pain and suffering on an innocent life, much like many of you have witnessed. But what we see here is that death doesn't have the final hold. Maybe you're thinking, well, the story of Lazarus is great, but Jesus came and Lazarus came out of the tomb and I prayed and I've felt like if God had only come, my family member would still be here. He didn't show up. He took the two days too long and he didn't make it in time. And I didn't get my miracle. I, he didn't stop the death. He didn't stop the pain. And this is where in the story we go, that there is an empty grave. With Jesus, the tomb was empty, which means death is not our final destination either. If we believe and put our trust in Jesus and we see that earthly suffering and death can have significant heavenly meaning even when we don't understand it right now. The disciples didn't see it. They didn't understand it, and they've been walking with him. Think back to Lazarus, and when Jesus said this illness will not end in death, but it is for the Son of Man to be glorified, and I think of this verse often. Even if this illness that you face or your loved one is facing right now ends in physical death, it doesn't have to end your spiritual life. And even in the midst of the biggest heartache and loss, God can get the glory in it. We can use the stories of heartache and loss to share God's goodness and hope for eternity and instill hope in others. We can continue to build God's kingdom and give hope to others that our time here may be broken and hurting and filled with loss and grief, but it doesn't have to be our final destination. And we see that God is just. If something here was not right and you were wronged, maybe a wrongful death has caused so much pain and hurt in your life. God will make it right. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, he says, I will give each person according to what they have done. In Psalm 89, 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. God is just and he will make all things right. Maybe you don't feel it right now in an instant. Maybe we just have to walk through some injustice in life, but you can trust that he is good and that when you get to heaven, it will all be made right. And so in the pain and in the hurt, when it's just too much to bear, if we can fix our eyes on Jesus and what he promises, there's hope in the hurting. In Revelation chapter 21, verse four, it says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You can picture that. All the hurting the person you love faced, 
all the tears they cried, is wiped away. And it's wiped away by hands that still have scars on them. The only scars in heaven are Jesus. And again, in Revelation, it says there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. I just finished going through Revelation and it's a book used to freak me out a little bit and was one I was just like, I don't know if I really want to dive into it. But after reading through it with an amazing teaching Bible that helps explain so much of it, it gives so much hope for life after death. And it really makes you see that the things that you face here are so temporary and that if you can fix your eyes on Jesus and serve him to the best that you can, that you can find hope here and that you can find there is bigger meaning even for the unimaginable pain and heartache that you are facing now. Jesus wants you to come to him when you are brokenhearted. We have a God who weeps, who is brokenhearted in your sadness and who loves you so much that he left his place of righteousness, came here to be persecuted and killed to cover all of our sins and to remind you that the pain here may last a little while. But he has created you for forever with him where there is no more pain, no more suffering, no more loss. He's wiped away every tear from the eyes of the one you loved. And he's wanting you just to hold on a little bit longer to use this time to continue to build his kingdom, to bring more people into the story where we get to live forever. The rest of that reflection from my version app has some beautiful things that I think we'll end with today. It says, Death is the greatest tool of our enemy, which is why Jesus came to defeat it. That's why he became human, took the ultimate punishment, and put death in its rightful place under the authority and dominion of God. Life is fleeting, but death is only temporary. And the Spirit of God can do what no human can, give life to the lifeless and redeem the lost. Maybe God just wants to reach out and redeem you today, to give you life here and now, to help you see his love for you and his faithfulness for you and to do what only he can do, bring comfort and hope in the midst of death and to help you see that death does not have the hold on you when you trust in him, that the tomb is empty and that God is bringing you to a place of life and fullness forever with him. If you can look to him now, you can find hope and comfort in the midst of your trials and take the pain now and bring it to eternal purpose with his strength alone. Let's end today in prayer. Dear God, we want to thank you so much that you come to us in our hurting, that you have wept, that you have sweat blood over that thought of death and that you willingly stepped into it so that you could open the doors to heaven, so that you could make a place for us to come and live with you forever. God, we're just seeking you for comfort in this moment in the things that that don't feel good, in the things that just don't seem right. We just come to you knowing that you are good and that you are just and that you love us. God, would you wrap your arms around anyone hurting today? Would you reach out and dry their eyes with the scars on your hands, the scars that you obtained willingly for us so that we could spend forever with you in paradise where there is no more death, no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. Jesus, we trust you and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we want to thank you so much for being here today. And as always, we just want to remind you that if pain and suffering is taking a hold on your life, that you reach out and you find someone who can help you through your journey, who can point you back to Jesus and give you the tools and resources to find the comfort and the hope that you need in the pain that you're experiencing. 
Thanks so much for being here. We'll see you again next week.